Good morning, everybody. Let's sing together, shall we? Would you stand and sing with us, please? One, two, three, four, and... These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare ye the Welcome to worship this morning. I am Cheryl Broom, your pastor here at Holotus Hills United Methodist Church. Uh, I'm so glad you've come to church this day. Many of you, I see your faces, were here yesterday working, working, working. I have evidence because I took pictures of you working. That was my job. Anyway, I'm delighted that you came today. In your pew in front of you, we call them pew pockets, are these two cards. The blue card is just for guests to fill out, and this card is a prayer card. Since we lift our prayers aloud, if you'd like our prayer group to pray, 
this week when we meet Monday here in the sanctuary, where we'll share Holy Communion together. Fill one of these cards out. Please write legibly, because we can't always read what you say. Now, we know that God hears your prayers and knows your prayers, and we want to support you. So feel free to fill those out during worship. You can put it in the offering plate as it comes by. For today, we have some exciting news. Well, it's exciting because Ezekiel is going to give us a prophecy. It's exciting because he told us about Christ Jesus in advance. And then we are going to study the seventh sign listed in the gospel according to John. It's the seventh sign that Jesus fulfilled prophecies that he was indeed the Messiah. So get ready. It's going to be an exciting day with some eyewitness reporting. For now, let's uh, bring in the light of Christ. Good morning. My name is Dick Baldwin, and as we begin, begin our time of worship, would you stand in body or in spirit as we welcome the light of Christ? Our scripture lesson today is from Ezekiel, the 37th chapter of the first 14 verses. It's in your pew Bible on page 791 if you'd like to follow along. I'll be reading from the New International Version. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out of this by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was a full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life, and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin, and I will breathe in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Come, breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up in their, on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am, I the Lord have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Be to God. 
Let us pray. God of life, present and promised, you're the one whom we call, you're the one who hears, and you're the one who acts, bringing us new life with your grace and love and power. Lead us in our time of worship that we may be prepared to follow your lead in places where life is at risk, places where hope seems far away, places where dreams die during sleep. When we leave these walls, help us live the teachings we proclaim within this place of worship. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. I'd like to invite the kiddos forward at this moment. Good morning. We have a pretty big holiday coming up soon. Do you guys know what it is? Easter's coming up. That's right. Next week, we have our egg hunt. We celebrate it on Palm Sunday, and then we have Easter the week after that, and it's an exciting and busy time in the life of our church. But what's Easter about? What do you guys get on Easter? You get candy? You see the, the Easter bunny, the big overgrown bunny that comes around and leaves stuff places? He sounds very messy. He really does. He leaves you baskets? And, oh, and sometimes we have family time, right? Over Easter, we have family time. Maybe you have a family dinner that you do on Easter Sunday. It's your favorite part. Sometimes you get to see friends when you do all these fun things at church, like an acon. You see friends that you haven't seen in a while. It's an exciting time, isn't it? But in all of that excitement, there's something we need to keep in mind. Do you guys know what it is? God. That's right. Ruby's going to be a Christian educator when she grows up. The holiday is not about the candy or the bunny or the presents. It's about God raising his son from the dead. And he did that for one very important reason, didn't he? To save all of us from ourselves. The truth of Easter, from ourselves. We're not very smart on our own. We need God's help. The truth of Easter is that love can conquer death. And the truth of Easter is, is that Jesus did just that. And as we hear the Easter story, everybody reacts to it in a different way. Sometimes people hear it with wonder, sometimes with disbelief, sometimes with, even with anger. I didn't ask Jesus to do that for me. Why would he do that for me? But as we walk through this Holy Week coming up, I want you guys to keep in mind that the truth is the truth, no matter how we receive it. The truth is the truth, that Christ died for you and for your sins so that you could spend eternity with God. And we're going to learn more about Holy Week and Spark Worship today. We're going to sing to God be the glory. We're going to have lots of take-homes to do during Holy Week with our parents. And we're going to have a lot of fun. Are you guys ready for that? Yeah, Yeah, let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes, and talk to God. Say, dear God. Dear God. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for sending your son. To heal our hearts. To heal our hearts. And bring us back to you. And bring us back to you. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to exit straight out the back for spark worship. Thank you, Jesse. And thank you, Ruby. You know, Ruby, you don't have to just be a Christian educator. You can be a preacher. We like girl preachers, don't we? Thank you. So, we are here to thank God in our prayers And we will ask you just to lift your prayers before God. When you feel called, just 
you can shout out or speak out your prayer. We will say, Lord, hear our prayers. If you would like our prayer team to pray over these requests, be sure and fill out a prayer card. And on Monday when we meet right here in the sanctuary, we will hold you gently, tenderly before God in our prayers. And now let us go to the silence of our own hearts that God, we might present before God that which we are in need of. Oh God, as we face Holy Week, a week where we witness the fullness of Jesus' life, we ask you, God, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts wide open to the movement of the Holy Spirit as we walk this journey with Jesus. May we experience the height and depth and width of God's great love for each of us found in Jesus. We come before you, O oh God, facing another week filled with both blessings and problems. We give you thanks and praise for the beauty of a new season of life and for your unending mercy and grace. We thank you that you do not give up on us and you give us a brand new week full of a new set of mercies and grace for our life. We thank you and praise you for all our blessings, both seen and unseen. We also ask for your loving care for all who suffer in grief. Continue to be present with all who need your healing touch and guide us to be your people, to love as you love, to give as you give, and to live in a manner worthy of the calling which we have been called. All this, O oh Lord, we ask and pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. I am Cheryl Broom, your pastor and reliable reporter at God's News Today. I'm glad to see that you've joined us for this important message that is brought to you by the Good Shepherd Life Assurance. You know you're safe and secure when you're in the hands of the Good Shepherd, here in life and life everlasting. NRSV protected. Get it? Today is the fifth of six Sundays in Lent, and next week we will return to the gospel according to Matthew for Palm Sunday. But first this week, we hear an eyewitness account to the raising from death of Lazarus of Bethany. By the way, Lazarus' name means God is my help. He is with Mary, his sister, and Martha, his sister, he is a follower of Jesus and a friend whom Jesus loved. Listen now for this exceptional story that is mind-blowing and eye-opening as we hear an eyewitness report according to John chapter 11, verses 1 through 46. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, our sponsor, of course. You can read along in your pew Bibles if you want to go to page 9. 78. 
The headline reads, The Death of Lazarus. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent up a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you. You're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light in this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Let us go to him. Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we might die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about her brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Martha met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. And they followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, 
He was greatly disturbed in his spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha and the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out! And the dead man came out with his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. This is the word of God for the people of God. These stories about Jesus keep getting more and more outlandish every week. It all started with rumors about his birth to a Nazarene woman named Mary. Reportedly, she had not been married, but merely engaged. He was a precocious child, speaking way above his station and intellect. He ran away once only to go to church. He camped out at the temples. He preached even as a child and then as a grown man, shaming the old guard. Now fully grown, he had been seen roaming around the Judean countryside, stirring up trouble with theatrics and magic, multiplying bread and fish, cavorting with the poor, unwashed, unclean, restoring sight, health, in masses of people who are now doggedly following him. And now, now he's gotten the attention of the religious leaders, the Jewish party, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the Herodians, all are looking to him, wondering, claiming that he was going to bring an insurrection. We heard about the coming of a Messiah, we heard it from Ezekiel. He gave us a clue. According to that prophet, God says, you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves. With these words in mind, many Jews thought, hoped, that Jesus was the Messiah. Interpreting this, the raising of Lazarus, the opening of graves, as the signal that God was about to vindicate Israel, vanish Roman occupation, and restore the nation. This was a very incendiary interpretation that provoked 
provoked a popular uprising amongst the people. At the very least, these were credible rumors about the one who came. And the Romans are likely to respond in a brutal way to suppress this insurrection. Better get rid of Jesus sooner than later, they said. Better get rid of him, said the Jewish leaders. Now, when we return to our story, Jesus had just narrowly escaped his own death by stoning. Remember, he opened the eyes of the blind man. And then he had to run away as they tried to kill him then. And then he went to find Mary and Martha. He sent word, they sent word that Lazarus was gravely ill. So even despite the dangers, just a few miles away from where they tried to stone him, Jesus decided to visit Lazarus. This decision itself is striking because his disciples rather anxiously pointed out Jesus' opponents are in Judea. They just tried to kill you in Judea. Are you sure that we want to go back? Judea had just tried to stone him. Thomas valiantly said, let us all go that we might die with him. And that tells us how the disciples were thinking, what their point of view was, because returning to Judea seemed very reckless. But the time had arrived, and Jesus needed to go to Bethany. Lazarus had already been in the tomb how many days? Four days. And Jesus wants to call our attention to God's work, God's glory, so that you may believe, so that the ancient prophecies may be more vividly reenacted. You shall know that I am the Lord when I open your grave, said Ezekiel. Yes, it is the Spirit. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, like a wind, ruach. It was the Spirit of the Lord who gives life. And Ezekiel said, I will cause ruach to enter you and you shall live. Arriving in Bethany, Jesus soon faces Lazarus' sister, Martha. And though Martha calls him the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world, she doesn't yet grasp the meaning of this. This man, Jesus, goes to the tomb, and it, to Lazarus, he commands the stone be rolled away, and he commands him to come forth. Now, Martha, still skeptical, skeptical points out the stench is evident that tru truly Lazarus is dead. It's been four days worth of dead. And Jesus turns to her and says, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And although she just said that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, she still needed to see it, to believe it. But Jesus was in fact saying, if you believe, the glory of God will shine. After all, despite Martha's skepticism, Jesus still raised Lazarus from the dead. And God's glory still shines forth in any case, believe it or not. God's works never rely on our belief. God's glory will shine despite our unbelief. This was a signpost pointing to Jesus, his identity, and his mission. If she believes Jesus as the resurrection and life and interprets her brother's rising as a glimpse of that larger reality, she will see God's glory. She'll catch sight of Jesus' identity 
in his mission. And she will understand that her brother's rising as a symbol, a window into something even bigger. We can't leave this amazing eyewitness story without wondering how to apply it to our own lives today. Jesus is with us in our feelings. When we feel hopeless or sad or grief, he asks us to trust him today, tomorrow, and forever. So how do we apply this to our life? See, God has appointed me as your pastor and shepherd here at Holotus Hills United Methodist Church. And I'm not just Reverend Cheryl, I am Pastor Cheryl. Recently I met somebody for the first time and I gave her my name and Carol Sutherland walked up and said, she's our pastor. And the woman said, well, I'll just call you pastor, it's easier to remember. Now I know why you call me pastor. It's easier to remember my name. And because I am your pastor, when you hurt, I hurt. When you are sad, I am sad. When you grieve, I grieve with you. And when you are filled with joy and happiness, I burst forth in joy and happiness as well. I am with you. But I wonder, have you ever shared a story about your life, something going on that's really hard for you, and the person told you, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know those kind of things happen. You need to move on. You need to get over it. You just need to stop all this silly acting. Have you ever received these well-intentioned words of advice coming from someone who has never been what you have faced? Never been through it. Never faced what you are facing? Well, of course, their advice rings hollow and actually is no help at all. That's why support groups are so affirming. If you go to a support group, you meet with people who have been through what you have been through. And they know. The stories they tell you, you can believe. The advice they give you, you can trust. You can trust their words and wisdom and grace because they've been there and they've done that. See, it's the same way with Jesus as he came to earth. By God's grace and glory, God sent Jesus because he's been there and he's done that and he lived through it, and he came back. And I know when I'm hurt and I am sad, Jesus gets it. I know when I grieve and I weep, Jesus gets it. He wept. He experienced all the feelings that we have experienced here, and he knows what we go through because he went through it all. He left God's side. He left God's righteousness to enter into this life that we might know and feel and be accepted, be forgiven, because he lived this life for us. We can have hope in our future, our life, here and now and in the life to come because of Jesus. And right here, right now, whether or not we have eyes to see or ears to hear, this is the good news of hope found in the gospel. Believe it or not, Carl, Jesus is coming back. He prays that every week. Jesus, we need you to come back. Believe it or not, he's coming back. And that's the good news of the gospel. And there's only one thing in the world that cannot be struck down and kept out of this eyewitness account. And that is, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. 
As we move ever closer to Holy Week, we do so with Jesus and Ezekiel's words ringing in our ears. The death-dealing power are no match for God, the God of life. Night will fall, but eventually Easter will dawn. The shining of God's glory will rise, and we will rise to life as well. What a story. What a savior. For today, this is our story, but there is way more to follow next week on Palm Sunday. Until then, I'm Pastor Cheryl, serving our Savior Jesus Christ in the name you know and can trust, the power you can believe in, the good news you need. Amen? Amen. You're on, Dick. You and Kathy lead us in the psalm response. Our psalm response is on is Psalm 130 on page 848 in the back of your hymnal. In my distress, I cry to the Lord, deliver me, O Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who can stand? I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, in the Lord's hope, in the Lord's word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, with the Lord there is plenteous redemption. And when the Lord will redeem Israel for all distress, I cry to the Lord, deliver me, O Lord. I'm supposed to tell you why I give to the church. Let me tell you a story that leads to that. I've been a jogger most of my adult life, and it was always a decision about, well, am I going to run today, and how far am I going to run, and and do I, do I go out in the rain and the cold or not? And so after doing this for many years, I decided that I'm going to run on Sunday morning, Wednesday morning, and I'm going to run the route that I've laid out. And I'm making that decision today. And so when the alarm goes off on Wednesday morning, it's not am I going to run, but get your clothes on. And so I decided that that one decision made it much easier to do the thing that I was supposed to do. And so after doing that for many years, I, I uh, found that it really works. And so I realized that it could apply to other things. And so the next thing I applied it to was giving to the church. I decided how much I was going to give and when I was going to give it. And so the process was set up. And so I didn't have any further decision to make. I already made that decision. And so actually, more lately, the bank's taken over that obligation, and they do it for me. So. <laughs> <laughs>
but uh, I just want to pass that along to you. My, my one decision is really helpful. Let us pray. Almighty and restoring God, we've been living through some difficult days as churches and as individuals. We experience days when we rise, wondering if we will make it through one more day, whether the church will survive for another generation, and we feel like those dry bones in the valley. As we offer our tithes and offerings, help us to hear the word of hope the prophet shares, not just with our ears, but with our hearts. May it call us back to the life and service out of the graves of despair in which we have buried ourselves. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Come forward for the... seems there's so much we have lost as we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked and one by one the enemy has whispered lies and led them off as slaves but we know that you were God yours is the victory that we may not yet see. So with the faith you've given us, we'll step into the valley unafraid. Yeah. As we call out to dry bones, come alive, come alive. We call out to dead hearts, come alive, come alive. Rescue every daughter, bring.
Let us stand in body or spirit as we sing our song of praise, the doxology. Let us pray. Almighty and awesome God, we thank you that you have brought us back to life, that you breathe your life into our very souls, into all we say and all we do. We ask, O oh Lord, that you might breathe your life into these resources given to bless your church, that we might be for the world the body of Christ, that we might show others the victory of Jesus. We thank you and bless you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So we have a few announcements. In response to the word of God, we're called to action, and here are some of the opportunities for our church for you to serve God. First of all, JB is here. There he is back there. <laughs> he has an announcement to make. Good morning, everybody. Wasn't this a beautiful service today? What a beautiful way to start our day and start our week. Our prayer team meets here on Monday nights, as you all know. We not only pray the prayers that you give us on your little card, little yellow cards, but any calls that come in during the week or during the days, we also include those. And also at the end of our meeting, we pray, we lift up every single member of this congregation and the congregants, both the members and the regular visitors, by name, each one of you. Maybe some of you weren't aware of that, but we're praying for all of you all the time. We want you to also be welcome to be a part of our prayer team. We have a group of about 18 at the, when everybody shows up, but not everyone can make it every week. So we have a regular, about 12 people every week. We meet here, and some of the people just offer great prayers like Carl and Bobby, Susan. They really know how to pray. Then you have people like me, we just kind of get it out there. <laughs> you know? But it's God wants all of our prayers. He loves all of us. He loves hearing from you. And prayer can be sometimes just something as simple as, hey, God, how's it going today? And just a very casual conversation as you're talking to God throughout your day. Sometimes it's more serious. But whatever your prayers are, we pray for them. And we ask for all of you to be at least consider being part of our prayer team. And maybe you can't be a, formally part of it, meeting with us, but if you'd like to be on our, 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 mail, our mailing list, when something comes up, which like this week, unfortunately, with the Pauls, well, that went out to all of our prayer team. So please consider being part of our prayer team. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And announced, you probably know already, but remind you that Holy Week starts on Palm Sunday, which is next Sunday followed by Maundy Thursday service at seven o'clock in the evening and our Lenten cantata on Good Friday at 7 p.m. We'll celebrate Easter with a seven o'clock sunrise service in the uh, outside chapel and then a Holy Communion service uh, and worship at both nine and 11 o'clock. And uh, Jesse has an announcement for the kids. 
All right, so I know you guys are eager for the final counts we have for the ACON. We have, you guys have donated, in total we have donated 1,800 Easter eggs. We've received lar 17 large bags of candy, 31 medium bags of candy, and 45 small bags of candy. We have, you guys have been so generous, and I really appreciate all of the donations that everybody has brought. And we are still looking for volunteers for next week. Um, in particular, we need help just watching the egg fields during the egg hunt. Before the egg hunt starts, we have little kids who like to try to go and pre-game it and get some of the eggs off the field before we start. So we just need eyes around the egg fields and around the campus if you're willing to help with that. Um, we're still looking for a couple of 10 by 10 pop-up or canopy tents, however you prefer to call them. I need about four more if anybody has one that they can bring next week for us to borrow. And any decorations you might have that are spring-themed or just fake plants or stuff like that that we can hide eggs in would be greatly appreciated. For all parents and grandparents and aunties and uncles out there, our next kids' party is April 15th. Since we have a whole bunch of stuff coming up in service the next couple weeks, I probably won't get to announce it. But it is April 15th from 4 to 7 p.m. It'll be following the theme of Made New Again. And all of the kiddos will be going home with their very own Painted Lady Butterfly to see it metamorph into, or caterpillar, to change into a butterfly. And we will be discussing how God makes us new in him. Thank you. Sounds like a big extravaganza. Yes. So thank you, Jesse. We also have a thank you for all of those that came and worked yesterday. This place looks beautiful. If you haven't noticed it, take a walk around the yard today. You'll appreciate it. Thank you. Your turn. Thank you. It really was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> anyway, uh, our discipleship is to go out into the world. We give you these announcements later so they're right in your mind as you exit today. You can write them all down in the notes on the back of your bulletin like I did. And we are sent forth into the world to be Christ's disciples that our old bones come alive with the Spirit of God and people want to know, where is it you worship that they bring you to life? So we invite you to share with us our mission statement, what we say is important, and if I flub it up, please know it's early, and um, we only did this, what, about a month ago? So help me say it, and say it right. All right, say it with me. The mission of Holotus Hills United Methodist Church is to grow and nurture disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of our community and our world. Thank you. If you are thinking of being part of this congregation, you're not already a member and you want to join, I'll invite you to just come forward during the singing of our final hymn, which is a great song. Let's go forth in the power of this benediction. That as Christ has made the way, the signs are here. He will come again. Go forth in the power and glory and light of that assurance in our life, now and always. Amen. 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 Amen.